0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday, the 8th of February, 2009, entitled, All Things Reconciled, Part 3. And the Bible reading is taken from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 23. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Colossians, chapter 1, same reading that we looked at last week. We'll be reading verses 1 through 23. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, her brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. "...strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood." He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you. That were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Father, we thank You again. We thank You for today. We thank You now as we look into Your Word. And Father, we pray once again that through the power of Your Spirit, You might anoint, You might speak to our hearts. Please, Lord, may our hearts be open, receptive, responsive to all that You have for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Well, last Sunday morning we began looking at this passage and the thought of all things reconciled. If you miss those sermons, if part of what we, where we begin today doesn't all fit together, then you can let them know for recording. You can go to the website. You can download it from iTunes. You can listen to it and put it all together if you would like. But we began last week when we looked, first of all, in these first eight verses and we said we really looked here at the declaration of who was who was writing these words and who they were, they were being written to. And, of course, as we look there, we find that not only is the Bible explicit concerning these believers, these saints that make up the church at Colossae, not only is it specific about they are and what this letter is all about, but also we looked secondly at the desire, the desire of this apostle's heart, the desire of the minister. We find that the desire there was for them to to know God's will, not their own, to have wisdom and spiritual understanding, to walk worthy of the Lord in a way that would be pleasing to Him to be fruitful in every good work, to increase in the knowledge of God, and finally, to be strengthened with all might according to His power through the Spirit unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And we looked at those things, and as we continue on, we said that as we move into verse 12 here that There is an interesting change. Remember, it's been the Apostle Paul on behalf of himself and Timothy writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the saints at Colossa, and he's writing about them and what he's heard about them and and, and their faith and his desires for their growth and whatnot. But notice there is what I call one of those little big changes that takes place in verse 12. When he says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made, and notice it's no longer about you, but hath made us meet, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Suddenly the Apostle Paul and this church and this body are all being fast as one. Us. To be meet, literally to be to be qualified, to be, to be authorized, to even be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. He says, in light, literally, the light. We all know what that inheritance is. We've talked about it many, many times. We know that this world is not our home. As a matter of fact, we, we find that, that times, you know, we're, we're spoken of as, as aliens, as, as, as foreigners. We thank God that we have an inheritance that is prepared for us in a place where there is no sin, there is no curse, there is no corruption, something that is going to last for all of eternity. And Paul is reminding this church of this, That's why that we, why is it that you and I today, as part of this church, as part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, why can we have a confidence in an inheritance, an inheritance from God Almighty? Our heavenly Father. That's part of what we see that the the Apostle Paul is is laying, giving thanks. He's giving thanks that the Lord Jesus Christ has made them together qualified to be able to accept and be part of that adherence. Notice also he says, who hath delivered us, from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He has delivered us. If you're here today, and if you are a child of God, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can remember every one of us here, there was a time when we were in darkness we didn't know Jesus Christ, or oh, we may have heard of the name, we may have, have heard of the person, but we didn't know Him. We didn't know Him as our Lord and as our Savior. We were all walking around in darkness one day, one day, as we saw last week and as we continue to see here through the light, the light of the glorious gospel we saw jesus christ for who he was for the first time the problem is when we're in that darkness we have no eyesight we find that satan will do all he can to keep a person's eyes darkened their mind darkened their heart their soul their very being in the darkness not recognizing not recognizing their own sinfulness in the flesh not recognizing God's love for them, and the sending of His Son. He says here, to deliver them from the power of that darkness. I must move quickly here, but may I remind you, I am absolutely certain that you, as I, receive those comments and those questions many times from people. Why? If God is such a loving God, why all this pain? Why all this turmoil? Because this world is in darkness, folks. It is Satan that is the prince and the power of the air of this world. There is a day coming when Jesus Christ Himself will set up His new kingdom. And during that millennial kingdom, this world will be like God planned it to be. And Jesus Christ will rule from that throne. But you and I today, We live in a world that is in darkness. But I want you to notice the next words. He says here that He not only delivered us from the power of darkness, literally the power of Satan himself, but He's translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, literally the Son of His love. You see, it's one thing to take us out of the darkness, which can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's vital we cannot release anyone from that darkness. We can have all the desire in the world, but it's only God working through us in His power, through His Word, that a life can be changed. You see, He said He didn't just release us from the power of darkness. But when He took us out of that darkness, He placed us somewhere else. He translated us, He says, into the kingdom of His dear Son. You see, even though this world is in darkness, even though Satan is still here because of that curse and he is ruling in this world, we don't need to be part of this world. The Apostle Paul is talking about us being released from that darkness, being translated into the kingdom. And even though we are still looking for the day, folks, I say it again. I don't believe that I'll get to say it many more times. I'm listening for the trumpet. I'm waiting for that day. I believe with all this within me that Jesus Christ could return today even before this service comes to a close, before I have an opportunity to even finish this message the trumpet could sound, and Jesus Christ could come. I believe that. And I believe that if you're here today, and if you have genuinely and honestly, we're not talking about religion. We look forward this evening to to seeing our dear brother Andrew follow the Lord in water's baptism, saying to everyone, I'm not ashamed that I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and that I'm committing my life to Him, to follow Him. The truth is, you can be baptized in every church in this city, this country, in this world. They had a saying, I know I'm from down south, and things get real simple sometimes. But they used to say you could be baptized, you knew every one of the tadpoles by name and still die and go to hell. Folks, the truth is it's believers' baptism. If you're here today. You have either put your faith and trust in the finished work of Calvary, in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and only then are you part of this us, this us of the Apostle Paul in this church and to every one of us today that there's come that point. All the churches, all the religion, you can't do enough good. You can't go enough places in the world. There's nothing you can do for by grace are ye saved through faith it's all god's grace and the only avenue that you have of getting to that grace is through his through faith in jesus christ and his finished work delivered from the power of darkness translated into the kingdom of his dear son we're not of this worldly kingdom even though we're still listening even though i'm waiting for the trumpet and i believe the rapture will take place if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be left behind. You'll be left behind. And yes, I believe the Bible is literal. I believe that it says what it means. While we are at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be seven years of tribulation upon this earth. But Then we will return with our Lord, and His kingdom will be set up. For a thousand years upon this earth, He will rule and reign, and we will be with Him. We find that the Apostle Paul is speaking of us, us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, wholly and completely. Wow. We've been qualified because of Christ, because of what He did for us. We've been qualified to be partakers in the inheritance of saints, not for this world, (laughs) only for the saints because He delivered us from that power of darkness that Satan had upon us, that sin had upon us, even our own flesh. And He's translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. That's why we're foreigners. (laughs) That's why we're aliens. We're part of His kingdom already, right now, His spiritual kingdom, a kingdom that will be physical, that will be seen upon this earth at one time. But I want you to notice here, He goes into verse 14. We find that He moves from talking about them and who they are and His desires for them to talking about us He and all those that are included, why are they all included? Because He moves from the description to the divine. Notice He says here in verse 14, because He finished with verse 13, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, Jesus Christ's kingdom. Notice, in whom, that's pointing back to the Jesus, the Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin, why can we have confidence in an inheritance? Why can we be part of all that today? Because we have been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son, and it's in Him, in His, the one whose kingdom we now belong to, it's in Him that we have our redemption. Remember that word redemption? We sang that opening hymn this morning, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. And it gives us the picture which was very real in these days of the slave in the slave market that's there upon the block. The truth is, is that each and every one of us, this is what he's talking, being delivered from the power of darkness. We were slaves to sin, but Jesus Christ redeemed us. The only way that that slave could be released from the slave market was for somebody to be willing to pay the required price to release him. Jesus Christ. We sing that great song, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Jesus, in whom we have redemption through His blood. You know, that was the only price that was sufficient. Without the shedding of blood is no remission There is no other way. People try. And I mean, I have met some of the finest people that I've ever met with some of the finest intentions in the world. They have such fantastic moral character. They're so generous. They're so loving. They're so kind. But folks, if they have not been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, they're still in the slave market. They're still wrapped by the darkness, enslaved by the darkness, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. You know, we never really fully relate to that word like God does, do we? We say we forgive, but we keep holding all these little things in our mind. We keep remembering them. But God says He casts them into a sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. That He puts our sins as far as the east is from the west, infinity in both directions. God's forgiveness. I mean, it's wiped clean. It doesn't exist anymore. It's gone because it's been washed by the blood of the Lamb. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Notice verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And I want you to hold on to that thought because that's where we're headed in just a few moments. Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. There was nothing before Him. You remember, we noticed that back up in verse 2 when the Apostle Paul first began this, even there he acknowledged the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he comes back here. He's talked about all these great things that, who they are and how they got there and what they have together and what it is that is for them to even be part of that kingdom, to be qualified to receive of that inheritance. Now, I've circled some things, and I just want you to notice before that I come back here, I want you to notice something in these next verses where this passage is leading us. It says, for by Him, by who? By Jesus Christ, by the one in whose kingdom we are. "...by the one in whose blood that we've been redeemed, by the one through whom we have forgiveness of sins, through the one who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him all things..." i will circle that in my Bible, "...all things. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible..." whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Notice again, all things were created by Him and for Him. Now we know, and this is not our message today on creation, but we are not ashamed of the fact that if you read the statement of church of this local church, just as that local church there at Colossae, that we unashamedly say that we believe in the Genesis account of creation, that God in six literal days created everything that was and everything that is as our God. And that doesn't undermine the scientific minds of our day. It undermines it in no way whatsoever. They don't understand. Many of them are very wise and they're, they're trying to put all these pieces together. But they don't consider the maturity of the earth that our God created. They don't consider the results of a literal worldwide flood that our Bible speaks to us about. We are not ashamed that we believe, as God's Word teaches, that all things that are created in heaven, in earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Notice it goes on, and he is before, and again, all things. So he created all things. All things were created not only by him, but for him. And he is before all things. And by him, again, all things consist. I, I don't think he's leaving us here with any doubt of what he's talking about. That if it exists, it exists because of Him. That He was the only one that was there before it existed. And that by Him it was all created. And for Him it was created. And it's only through Him that all things are able to remain. Folks, without God, nothing could remain. Nothing would be as we know it. This world could not exist. And He is the head of the body the church. Yes, the church at Colossae. Yes, the church at Bethel Free Baptist. Yes, the church, the body of Christ worldwide. All those that have been saved and ever will be saved. And for the first time at that rapture when the trumpet sounds, for the first time, the church, the body of Christ will be together for the first time in all of history as one body, as one visible body. You see, now The local church is vital because the local church is the only place that the body is visible. But one day we will all be together as one visible body with the Lord Jesus Christ. All things. By Him, by Him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Listen, that in, again, all things that in all things He might have the preeminence. What does that word mean? The preeminence. It means that nothing is higher, that nobody is higher, that nobody is more important. Jesus Christ, He is the one that has the preeminent place that in all things he might have the preeminence notice it says for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell that in who that in Jesus Christ you see we're talking about the godhead some some people they get they get really down on this thing of trying to understand a a triune God. How can there be one God and yet Him be in three persons? Well, that triuneness, that divinity is what God is talking about here. You see, it says, In Jesus Christ, for it pleased the Father, God the Father, that in Him, Jesus Christ, should all... Fullness dwell, the totality of all that God is, of His power, of His attributes, the complete fullness of divine essence. It's all there in Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2 and in verse 9, the Word of God says, for in Him, Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness Of the Godhead bodily. In his body Jesus Christ came in a body, but in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. We find that in first Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen, the word of God says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. You know, we'll probably never in this life fully comprehend our triune God. We try to come up with all of these illustrations, and we use water and we use light. We use the the being of a human being in his body, soul, and spirit. We use all these different things, but nothing quite grasp it because there's nothing like it in all the world. Anything that you compare it to, you're comparing it to a lesser, so you can never fully see its fullness. Jesus Christ was all God. What's the saying? Confession is good for the soul. I admit, I got stuck this week. I had a flat tire. I pulled in to check on Shelly's car and I came back out and, and, and my tire was, was flat. Well, the garage where I was at didn't do flats. I tried to get my spare out from under it and the spare wouldn't come down. The cord came down, but the spare was stuck in place. So I said, pump as much air as you can get in that thing without it blowing up so I can make it up the road to where there's a tire place. And he puts about 60 pounds of air in my tire and I hit up the road and the first place was, was the quick save up the road. He says, well, we can look at it, but it's going to be about 45 minutes to an hour before we can get to it. And that's where the bad thing came in. I sat down and, and, and as I sat down there in the waiting area, I began to read a watchtower. There was a watchtower laying there. And, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't seen a watchtower. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to just see what they've got in here. And I read all kinds of interesting things. I had quite a, quite a bit of time to to read there, and I not come out prepared with any of my own reading material. But you know, one of the things that's often, often there is their attack against the Trinity. Now, you know, the truth is, I say this with all my heart, I love Jehovah's Witnesses. I love Mormons. I love, I love any of those, even when they're in the far-out religions. The truth is, I won't lie to them and pretend that they're okay, I don't slam the door in their face when they come to my door. I try to talk to them, I try to witness to them, I try to be the light to them. What I'm saying is, as I sit there reading, and I see them trying to undermine and tear down and and use the Scriptures to prove that Jesus wasn't God, and I'm thinking, what Bible are they reading? Where are they looking? There are so many places that the Word of God teaches us specifically not only that He was God, but that He did the things that only God could do. We find here that the Bible says, it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell in Jesus Christ. You know, that word dwell means to have a permanent abiding place. It wasn't something that was just put on Him temporarily. wasn't something that was just part of him when he took on his body. No, he's always. You can't have God and have part of him. You can't take away the Spirit. You can't take away the Son. You can't take away the Father and still have God. It is God in all of his fullness, that mystery of godliness that the Bible speaks about. But you know, it brings such a comfort to us as believers The Bible speaks of the the fullness of wisdom, the fullness of grace, the fullness of joy, the fullness of mercy, all of these things. It's all ours in Jesus Christ and He alone. Christ exalted in His preeminence, in His supremacy, the fullness of God. And, of course, we see it. Notice in verse 20, the next verse, and having made peace. Through the blood of His cross, by Him, to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now, I've circled this again. And it's this verse where you've seen on the screen behind you a portion of that verse for the last three services. The title that I've tried to focus this on is this is what all of this is pointing to. All things reconciled. Having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile folks all means all. You know we we can't somehow take away from that as we as we want it reconciling all things, and notice it says, unto Himself. By Him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Suddenly, you, you find as you go through here, that suddenly as, as this passage is begin to speak of the divinity, it gets a, a real challenge in trying to separate the Father from the Son because you can't. You know, we were alienated from God, but we've been reconciled to God, but we've been reconciled to the Lord Jesus Christ and all the work's been done by the Lord Jesus Christ. The sign that it. it pleased the Father, he said in verse 19. It pleased the Father. We've got to recognize that this is God's purpose, that it's His, His passion it is not His will that any should perish. How do we describe it? We see it taught, but somehow it's not easy for our minds to, to picture it. You see, it's not that God loves you or loves any of us because that Jesus Christ died for you. The truth is is that Jesus Christ died. Because he loves you. You see, the Bible teaches us that reconciliation comes from the Father's desire to be reconciled to his creation. We find that it's all his work. What is God reconciling when he says, All things? Well, thank God, first of all, that I'm part of all things. <laughs> I'm part of His creation, praise God. But you know, what gets even maybe more difficult, even for we as believers sometimes, is that as we look around, we we can maybe get to the point to where we can grasp us as a human being being reconciled to God. But then we see this world that we live in and all that's taking place around us. He didn't say some things. I'm talking about all things there is coming a day when all things, all the institutions, all the things that you see around you in this world, the things that we see that are the most ungodly, you see the truth is there's coming a day when there won't be anything ungodly in this world anymore. There won't be any sinful institutions. Every soul, every heart has that opportunity right now. You say, well, What about the people that are lost, That are people that are not Christians? Well, I'm saying that they have the opportunity right now, just as you and I, while this kingdom of darkness is still here, they have the same opportunity to be reconciled to God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be delivered from the power of darkness, to be translated into His kingdom, The kingdom of light. We can be part of that kingdom right now because one day, mark it down, folks, all that is not part of His kingdom will be destroyed. It will be done away with. And it's His kingdom that will survive. All things. The Bible teaches there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The truth is. They will know who he is even before their end comes. There's so many passages I can't let you off in going through and speaking of reconciliation without at least once taking you to Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, I want to remind you, picking up in verse 18. He says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath Subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. You see, we've already been redeemed. Our souls have been redeemed. But we're still looking for that day when our bodies will be redeemed. He says, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. You see, we have so much to look forward to. We have already been redeemed. We have already, as His children, been reconciled, been placed into the place to to get part of His inheritance. I wish I had time. Just turn and read Revelation chapter 20 through 22 in your own time. Read. We know the end of the story. We know how it all turns out. How is God reconciling all things? You see there in Romans, even creation itself. Remember, when Adam sinned in the garden, the curse didn't come just upon Adam and Eve, but upon all of creation. The thorns, the thistles, none of that existed before then. We find that all will be reconciled. All will be made right once again through Jesus Christ. All of it through divine uh, divine effort, I should say, at tremendous cost. The blood of Jesus Christ Himself who willingly poured out that sacrifice Yes, facing all of the pain and the shame and all that went to it as they nailed Him to that cross. Taking the place that He couldn't have been degraded any lower in leaving this earth. Taking the place of preeminence, the Most High. There is no higher position. Is Christ today Is He preeminent in your life? I mean, honestly, does He have the number one place? Nothing, nothing more important than Him. Nothing that you're more desirous to not only have that fellowship with Him, but to give absolute control of your life. Does Christ... You see, there is no question. God the Father has made Him preeminent. He is in the highest position. But does He have that position in your life today? First of all, do you know? Do you know that you're part of the us? Because every one of us have either been in that place of darkness or you're still there. You're not alone. We all know. Have you been reconciled to God? All the work that He's done, everything that He's done, He's done for you. Is Christ all in all in your life today? are we forgiven? Do you know that you've resigned yourself to this world and the pleasures of this world and want to follow in obedience to God? You see, somehow the devil, even as Christians, he can keep playing on these minds and he can make you think that you've got to have this in your life and you've got to have that in your life and that this is what's going to make you happy and that's what's going to bring you real joy and peace. I say to you, and I will stand before God and give an account one day of every word that I speak from this pulpit, I say to you today, there is no place in the world to know the peace and joy that God can give. There is nowhere to know that outside of Jesus Christ. And Christians, when Christ is in our lives, we must die daily. We must be filled with His Spirit daily. We've got to continually yield ourselves to Him to let Him have control of our lives. Just because that He had control of you yesterday doesn't mean He does today. Christ? Is He everything in your life? That's when you're only then can you know what the Bible calls the peace that passeth all understanding. Not just a peace that comes in the good times when things are rosy, but a peace that passeth all understanding. A joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, the Bible says. When was the last time that you were so happy that you couldn't even talk about it, that you couldn't even explain it, that you didn't have the words for it, a joy that is unspeakable. That's not saying that when you become a Christian, life becomes perfect. Yes, there are battles. Sometimes there's some deep, dark valleys to go through. We are still in a sin-cursed world. But, you know, we don't have to fear any of those things. We don't have to fear Satan. We don't have to fear what he can do to us. Because we've been made qualified for an inheritance. We've been delivered from His power. We're no longer part of His kingdom. We've been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son in whom we have redemption. The one that has done all that He's done on the cross for us that we can be reconciled to God. Because He tells us, And our time's running out, and I just finished my introduction. Notice, I'm just going to give you this. If we can come back to it sometime, I won't be able to finish it tonight. Notice in verse 21, he tells us here, if you would, in all this reconciling work, he tells us what we were. And you that were sometime alienated... And enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. You were at one time alienated from God. He's talking, remember, to the church, to the believers, to those that know Jesus Christ, he said, There was a time when you were alienated from God, when you were an enemy of God. There's only two sides, folks. <laughs> you either on God's side. You're on the side of this world, which is controlled by Satan. And you're his enemy. The truth is, this is the natural state of every human being that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, alienated from God. Jesus said in John 3, 3, Except man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We didn't make up this born again stuff. It's not something we pulled out of a hat one day. People almost kind of spit it off the end of their tongue. Oh, you're one of those born-again Christians. There is only one kind of Christian. If you're truly a Christian, you're born again. You've experienced the new birth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He is the only way. What are the signs of alienation? Not desiring, relishing that communion with God. Not conversing with God. I mean, have you ever been around somebody that you really cared about and never talked to them? Never listened to a thing they said. Just ignore them. Never talk back to them. There's no desire to do His will, to be in His favor, to love Him, to be with Him. We could look at many things, but the truth is, is that in our natural state, that's what all of us were. And if you're here today without Jesus Christ, that's still what you are. And I've got lots of notes there that we're just going to skip over because He not only tells us what we were, but notice those last words, yet now hath He reconciled. Reconciled. It's really a twofold work that I've listed. First of all is personal reconciliation. That's what's affected on the cross by Jesus Christ when He finished the work. He did all that was necessary for you personally to be reconciled to God by your sin being removed. He told us that. He told us that. Notice what he says in verse 21. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled, he says, in the body of his flesh, death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, you find that. It's all the work of Christ. But it's not only that personal reconciliation that we have now, but it's the personal representation. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says in verse 18, "...and all things are of God who hath reconciled us." to Himself, by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What? He says, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation, Listen, now then, we are ambassadors, he says, for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, him who knew no sin, that we, who had all the sin, might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Folks, that ought to make you shout from within. That ought to give you such joy just to to stop and think about. You see, you were alienated. You were an enemy of God. But through the work of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ Himself has reconciled you. He did all the work to do it. And now, You are an ambassador, a representative of Jesus Christ to this world that others might be reconciled. What great privilege. How did we get from from darkness, sin, to being a personal representative of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself by God's grace? You see, there's really two obstacles God's holiness and man's sinfulness. God's holiness and man's sinfulness. Jesus took care of the first one on the cross of Calvary. And the second obstacle is removed by God through the work of the Holy Spirit on the heart itself. We wouldn't do it for ourselves, but God can and God will. There are many things we could say there but this work of reconciliation he shows us what we were and what we are and praise God what we shall be it's not the end yet what we shall be he goes back to that inheritance that we talked about before notice he says in the body of this of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine me being in that state. I can't imagine God even wanting to love me, let alone me ever being able to be in a state that I could be described as holy and unblameable and unreprovable because I fail Him so miserably. But thank God, that's what we've got to look forward to. There is coming that day. The condition in which you, as a child of God, will be presented is one of holiness, one of unblameable, or literally, you know, it's talking about being without blemish. Unreprovable. (laughs) Nobody. Nobody can stand up and point their finger. We find that the condition in which you must meet, we've seen it clearly, folks. It all happens when a truth is believed. It's called the gospel. You and only you can believe that in your heart. People can present it to you, but you will respond to it a confidence to be maintained, which is your faith. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. A truth to be believed, confidence to be maintained, an expectation to be cherished. That hope. We have a hope that the world doesn't have the gospel, faith, hope. Now this verse here, and I'm finished, this verse is not talking about holding on and holding out in order to be saved. It's talking about the evidence that will be in your life as a saved person. You see, our steadfastness in Christ is evidence that reconciliation really did take place. Our assurance of reconciliation, our hope that we have of that final perfection, it's all bound up in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to be a Christian, and it's a privilege that's offered to each one here today. All things reconciled everything. But the real, real clincher, have you been reconciled? Are you reconciled to God today? You see, if you haven't, then I want to invite you right now. Has, has God spoken to you? It's not this preacher that can make a difference. It's not our church that can make a difference. As much as we love you and would like to see you come to know Christ, It is only Christ that can make the difference in your life. Christianity is not about a bunch of religious things. It's about a person, Jesus Christ Himself, and you having a personal relationship. And the truth is you were enslaved in the darkness of this world. But He's the one that's come and reconciled you to God. He delivered you out of that darkness. And He translated you into His dear kingdom. And He allows you to have the promise of an inheritance that will be yours for all of eternity. You find that all things one day will be reconciled. But the problem is, there is coming a day, God's Spirit does not always strive with man. There's coming a day when every human being will acknowledge Jesus Christ for who He is. But if that is the great white throne of judgment, It'll be too late for the reconciling work then. It's only a work of judgment. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God loves you. It's not God's desire. By God's grace, you're here today. If you're unsaved, may I ask you, even as we sing this final hymn, we call it a hymn of invitation because we're inviting you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as we have If you've got questions, if you want to come, we'll be happy to take you aside and and talk to you and go through it with you. If you'd like someone to pray with you, if you just want to talk to someone, we can't change your life, but Jesus Christ can, and He's who we want to invite you to come to today. And Christians, as we've looked at these passages, I said to you last Sunday, it amazes me. (laughs) You can read passages all your life and yet as I I look back at these verses again, it's so exciting to be reminded of just how much God has loved us and what God has done in our lives and the way that He's accomplished it. We can have a confidence today. We do have a hope that is beyond this world. We need to remain steadfast. We need to be unmovable. Even in the midst of all of the turmoil around us, the sin around us, and yes, even the economic crisis. It may not be easy. You may have some tough days. You may have some rough battles, but you don't have to be there alone. The victory is always in Jesus Christ. Nobody can take Him from you. We're going to sing for our closing hymn. You're looking in your hymnals. It's number 12. Really beautiful words to, to this old hymn, which simply says, there's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for you. And that's what we want this morning to invite you, to come to that cross. And as we stand and as we sing together, and as we sing from our hearts need to come, you come. If you'd like to speak to us following the service, that's great too. But listen to the words of this song. They're so true as we sing.